Good morning, family. It's good to be back in home again and with the family of God. Much grace, mercy, and peace is always yours in the name of Jesus, who is exactly who he says he is. He is the chain breaker who sets us free from the penalty of sin and then gives us the free gift of eternal life. Amen. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will fill in the blank set you free. There is freedom in God's Word. There is freedom in Christ. There is freedom given through the forgiveness, precious gift of grace that God gives us through the cross and empty tomb. So what was the Reformation about? I'm glad you asked. Was it about indulgences? Was it about purgatory? Was it about the power and authority of the Pope? Was it about Luther himself? Well, as it is in Sunday school every Sunday, the answer is simple. Jesus. The Reformation was about Jesus. The Reformation was all about Jesus, specifically about Jesus Christ's death on the cross as the only source of our life, our forgiveness, and salvation. That only in Christ do we have freedom from God's rightful wrath and deliverance to be with God forever. Luther had said, the cross alone is our theology. The cross alone is our theology. That could be our bumper sticker, our t-shirts, that it is the cross alone where salvation was won for us, given to us, without merit, undeserved. But God loved us anyway. God allowed His Son to die for us anyway. God gave us a resurrection anyway, despite our sin, to cover our sin, and to give us a relationship that lasts. So it came down to faith alone in Christ alone, as revealed through Scripture alone and no other source to understand what is important to God. That was the main issue. And all of the practices and teachings of the corrupted Catholic Church at the time that Luther and the Reformers were trying to give honest pushback and correction to, those false teachings were problematic simply because they got Jesus wrong. They messed up teaching who Jesus is. They created an angry God and a mathematical economy that involved human works in addition to what Jesus did. They got Jesus wrong because they either added to or took away from his perfect sacrifice on the cross for our sins. They not only muddied the waters, they really created a different kind of God. In fact, like Judas, they betrayed the Christian church, because they wanted a different kind of Savior than Jesus said he was. The Catholic Church at the time betrayed the clear word of God. And so the Reformation was truly coming back to that apostolic teaching, to what the disciples believed, to what they heard Jesus say, and what then they committed to their mission, to which they would die for. Christianity wasn't just some false mythology made up. No one dies for a lie. But the disciples died for the truth that set them free. Sadly, many of the people in that day were told that they had to do something in addition to Christ. And that's a slap in God's face. It's saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough. The theology went kind of this way in the Catholic Church of the time, that you do your best and Christ does the rest. That was their bumper sticker. You do all that you can to make God like you. You do good works. We'll keep track for you. You can buy some free good works, earn some time out of purgatory, and then whatever you can't do, 
We get it. You do your best, Christ will do the rest. As though you have something to contribute as a spiritually dead person, which you can't. If you're spiritually dead, you have nothing to bring before God and to put on the table and to say, God, see, you got to like me a little bit because there's some spark of life in me. There isn't. All have sinned. All have fallen short from the glory of God. All are born and conceived in sin. You are an enemy of God from conception on until you are washed in the blood of Jesus, until you are made right by that perfect sacrifice that covered your sin and made you a child of God when you were adopted through the waters of baptism. All a work of God which takes the work off of you. That has to be freeing to know that there's nothing you can do or add to your salvation. Because you can never do enough, you can never do it right, but you don't have to worry about that. Christ did it all. Christ is enough. The cross is the theology we cling to, the teaching that sets us free. There's nothing we can do to cooperate with Jesus. There's nothing on our part to add to make God like us. And so... From that perspective, the Catholic Church enslaved Christianity, intentionally or unintentionally, to those spiritual chains. Much like the Jews, as we heard in our reading, they were clinging to their traditions and to the fact that they had ancestry going back to Abraham. We're children of Abraham, so we're a shoe-in. There's nothing more that uh, needs to be said here. It's our heritage that gets us into heaven, which is pretty elitist. But Scripture is very clear from Old and New Testament, that we are all spiritual children of Abraham because we believe in the promise. We have faith that the Messiah would come as a suffering servant, die for our sins, take our place of punishment, and give us eternal life as a free gift. That's what we believe as the spiritual children of Abraham. And that faith is something only the Holy Spirit creates in us. The Bible's very clear. No one can say Jesus is Lord and confess Christ as their Savior except by the Holy Spirit. So it's still a gift of God from beginning to end. But our life, as Luther would discover, is an opportunity to give thanks to God. We do good works to show our appreciation, to show that we are saved, that we will make a difference in the world because Christ made a difference in our lives and in our hearts. Luther found that his best efforts as a monk, as a good Catholic boy, were never enough. The harder he tried, he said it was like quicksand. The more effort I tried, the deeper I sank underneath the eyes of an angry God. That's how he saw his heavenly father. The one who created him was out to destroy him and keep a record of all his evil doings. Luther was so mentally frustrated and depressed and vexed by this. I love that word, vexed. He would throw himself at the altar, face down and confess sins to his father confessor. He'd make up sins, going for hours The father confessor said, Luther, you've got to stop this. So why don't you go and teach theology? Go read God's word. Get your mind off of this hatred that you think God has for you. And God, in the midst of a lost church, lost because they lost the true teaching of God's word, God raised up a man, men and women, beyond just Luther as a reformer. If you ever read Katie Von Bora, his wife, she was a reformer too. Their faith in God's word, that grace is a gift, that faith is a gift, that salvation is a gift, is what became the seed that spread. Because God took in the midst of those deep waters of confusion and muddied waters and a different kind of Jesus being passed out, he gave his truth because his grace abounds even in those deepest waters. It was finally when Luther was in the Wartburg Castle 
kind of kidnapped and hiding from those who would seek to destroy him. He was reading the words of God, translating God's word, you know, from Latin and Greek and Hebrew into the common language of German, that he was reading the book of Romans about people being saved by their faith in Christ and not by the works of their hands. And Luther said that set him free. He said it was like heaven was opened to him, that the chains had fallen off that enslaved him, thinking that he was doomed to failure, but Christ was his victory. Christ was his success. And so he wrote that the gates of hell were crushed in that moment. And after Luther had that experience, he had the courage to live a life of commitment to that cross and empty tomb, to the real Jesus of Scripture, the one who speaks for himself and says clearly, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that is a gift of faith. That was his conviction. And he wanted the world to know the grace of God. That really was his mission, to show that we are free in Christ. You no longer have to be in chains of spiritual slavery to your works and your efforts because they are doomed to fail. You think you have resolve and resiliency, but you don't. You're spiritually dead, Luther understood, but in Christ you are made alive again. Amen? And the people, it's not to say that they just ate this up, but they had that emotional response of, wow, God really does love me. Christ really did something for me. And it's not about me, it's about Jesus and his life given for me. And yet today, are we still in need of a reformation of our hearts and our trust and our conviction in Christ? Because for some strange reason, many of us as Christians who do sing and believe in the strong word of God and we confess and know Christ as a mighty fortress, we still live in fear of the world around us. So stop it. You're scaring the children. Pastor Anley Stanley would say. You're scaring those who are watching us. The generations that's coming along behind us are going to take their cues from us. And that's not necessarily a good thing. Because we act like scaredy cats of the world. We are facing a world of tumultuous times, tumultuous politics, tumultuous diseases and challenges. And our fear is contagious to those watching us. Because it is a lack of trust in God. Here's the cues that we often give to our kids, to those who are growing up behind us. Oh my goodness, if we don't have the right person elected in office, it's the end of the world. Oh my goodness, if we don't fix the economy, it's the end of the world. If we don't have a religious freedom like mama and grandma had religious freedom, or if we don't have the right politics and policies, the world is coming unraveled. There's nothing farther from the truth. Those are just worldly things, seasons in history, presidents and kings who rise and fall. Just as in the days of the Reformation, while government policies and influence are significant and they play a role in the life of the Christian community, nothing matters more than one thing, faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. Faith in Christ has seen us through a tumultuous time of seasons when we were persecuted, when we were enslaved physically by the enemies of the world against Christendom. We are enslaved by those who speak against us, who, who don't understand the love of God and therefore hate God and those who follow Christ. Like Luther, those who truly have faith, they understand that faith means having confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence that God keeps His promises and that there is nothing that will thwart the plans of God. Let me repeat that. Luther's confidence, like the disciples, 
is that God keeps His promises to love His people, to rescue His people, to redeem His people, and that His plan will never be thwarted. That nothing will take away what God needs and wants to do in your life. So don't take your eyes off of God. Don't lose sight of that powerful proclaimed word of grace in Jesus Christ. Because we have nothing to fear. We really don't. So all you people over 45, knock it off. Just knock it off. You need to be a model for that next generation. A model that says and exemplifies, not just in words, but in actions and trust, that God is in control. That God cares about you. And that God can be trusted. That's what our children should be learning. God is in control through Jesus Christ. God and His Word can always be trusted in every generation. Because Luther, when you look at what he had to go through, he had a bounty on his head. The Catholic FBI SEAL team were out to take him out. They were given a handsome price to take him out. And I don't mean out to lunch. And they failed. They failed because the Word of God was strong. And the Word of God dwelt in Luther's heart. And he could have died a martyr's death, but that's not what God's plan was for Martin Luther. He died among his friends. He died claiming that same conviction that he said, here I stand. My conscience is captive to what? The word of God. The promises of the Savior. The Messiah. The forgiveness of sins. The communion of saints. And life everlasting. For those under 45 and our millennials, never lose heart. Never give up. And never lose trust in Christ, despite the turmoil that's going on throughout the world. You'll have more to face, perhaps, than your own parents. Never give up, knowing that God never gave up on you. But he did give up his son on the cross. And that's where our heart and our focus always lies. On the cross and empty tomb. So do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary or lose heart, because once upon a time, a group of people your age, those young disciples, those young reformers, under 40 and 50, they believed in a risen Lord. They believed in a Christ, a Messiah, who would come back to life and change the world through them, through you, through all of us. They embraced a resurrected Savior. Remember your Judeo-Christian history, that we have survived the lion's den. We have survived Jericho's walls. We have survived the Colosseum and all the seasons of false teaching and bad politics. We have survived because Christ has made us more than conquerors over sin and the grave, the real opponents that we face. And in Christ, we are victorious. We are triumph. And throughout the seasons of history, we see that we have Christ and his cross and his empty tomb. Christ is enough. Amen? Christ is enough. Christ will still be king when you wake up in the morning. Amen? Amen. Our faith in him makes us free. And God be praised. May you always remember who truly is your life and freedom. And center our life in trusting in Christ and that steadfast love that endures forever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace is always yours. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you please rise and join us as we come to the Lord with open hearts in prayer.